You are about to hear a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au. And be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available. You know, I look at all these kind of small challenges, and as I spend time with families in our church, people that are struggling with financial issues and and relationship issues, and there's so many things that are happening in the lives of people. And, you know, it's always easy to say, hey, you know, that's just life. You know, you can just say just life happens and all these troubles happen. And, and I'm reminded also, Wilson, of your, of your daughter and your granddaughter, you know, a life-threatening car accident that happened recently. And, and I got calls from the family of situations that are happening in the family that are really major upheavals that potentially could break families up. I know of marriages that are struggling and, and, and kids that are struggling and could you say that's life, couldn't you? About a few days ago, my daughter was very upset because there was some stuff that are happening at school with prepubescent teenage girls. <laughs> you know, are probably the most stable people in the world. <laughs> and my daughter said to me, with all the stuff that in her world that's going on that's so big to her and yet to me, and probably you is just a storm in a teacup. I wonder if that how, that's how God sees our lives. And so there she was. This is big and important for her. And she said, stuff is just going on, going wrong for her. And, and she said, um, you know, being on the spectrum, it's a little bit harder as well for her to deal with some of these issues of life. And she said to me, does God love me? Does God really like me? Because stuff is happening and it doesn't feel like he loves me. I said, of course he does. And, and you know, but why all these things happening? I said, well, you know, well, as much as God loves you, somebody else hates you. And it's not always your friends. It's, it's the enemy. And I know for years we've taught this sort of kingdom now Christianity where you say, well, you know, Jesus has already defeated the devil of the cross and he has no authority, right? How many of you believe that? And as truthful that is that might be, oftentimes life's reality is not consistent to that truth and it's not because you've done something wrong. Sometimes it is, but in many ways, like the floods we had, the enemy comes in like a flood. What I'm trying to say to you this morning is, yes, life happens, reality hurts, but sometimes some of those realities I would experience, maybe, and I would give you a big maybe on this, they are not just because life happens or because sin took place, but we have a real enemy that's trying his best to undermine everything that God is trying to build in your life. I'm trying to make you understand that although we are people living in a natural world, physically with practicalities that we deal with every day, let us not be ignorant that we are equally not lesser 
we are equally spiritual men and women. They're dealing with the realms of the spirit as much as we are dealing with the realms of the natural. The reason we kind of forget the realms of the spirit because it doesn't hurt us. And we don't see it. We only respond to the things that hurt us emotionally, that hurt us physically, that hurt us financially. Those are the things we respond to it. But because all your responses are in the physical world, you tend to also respond in a physical way. Are you with me? It's very unlikely most of the time unless something supernatural happened before you that you cannot explain that we would revert to the spiritual things. We become pragmatic. Say, oh, that's just because of this. That's fine. You got a headache. Just get a Panadol, blah, blah, blah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, with being that practical. But there are times where I believe God tells us, man, what's happening to you is beyond your physical realities, that there's a supernatural activity that's taking place that is flooding your life. As I talk about this in Kingdom Connections, I want to say this first of all. If you want to go fast, run alone. If you want to go further, run together. You cannot achieve all that God has for you by yourself. You may get the call of God as an individual, but you'll never achieve all you have by yourself. In the same way, you can never get the victory over the enemy in your family by yourself. For one will send a thousand, but two will send 10,000, the Word of God says. For three cord braided together is stronger than one. So I want to need you to understand the word together is not just something that we picked for our church because it was cool. Because I really do believe that there's no way we could achieve what God has called us for our church and our community and our families unless we do it together. And it begins in understanding who we are as, a, as in Christ, as individuals. But further to that, who we are collectively as a church and within our community. So my daughter that said to me, does God love me? It almost, almost always requires when your children ask you that, proof. I've always known in my kids that when they ask something that have, has a spiritual nature, I always revert or defer to this idea that if I'm going to say this to my kids, that God heals, he has to heal. That when God gives me revelation about my kids prophetically and they ask me some things about their situation in life and they want wisdom from the Lord, God has to prove himself. It must be evidence because otherwise everything you teach your kids about God are just words. And one day they're going to challenge that. And if your words of truth has no experience that verifies truth, it's just nothing more than a cerebral ex exercise for them. They will doubt it. The philosophies of this world will come against that. So there has to be, if I talk to my kids about the fact that Jesus heals and and they don't get healed. 
I know there are days that they don't, but they start to believe. When, so with Kyra, I really believe when I said that to her, there needed to be a proof of that. And, and sometimes the way God proves himself is not always the most pleasant way he proves himself. My daughter was feeling a bit anxious yesterday, so she took her little puppy. You've all met Kobe, right? Little Kobe. Cute little Kobe. And um, she took him for a walk, and, and there was a pit bull, American pit bull, a red-nosed pit bull that was there. And my daughter is a dog lover, loves animals. And she asked the owners if she could pet the dog, and she petted the dog. And when she leaned over, the dog attacked her. And the pit bull latched herself onto the side of her face, but mysteriously slipped and got her in the back of the head and pulled her to the ground and started to thrash her on the ground violently. Somewhere along this, I don't know how it happened, but the pit bull let go. Didn't have a time to lock its jaw. And then turned to Kobe and grabbed Kobe in its mouth. This little dog, toy dog. And in that moment, when she was telling me the story, I'm thinking, my goodness, the potential with one bite, that dog would be snapping in half. You know the power of these dogs. If you're familiar with a pit bull terrier. And then mysteriously, the the dog let go. My daughter called me up really upset, obviously. She said her life flashed before her. She thought she was going to be killed by a dog. We, we found her. We, we got her home. And uh, she takes the dog for a walk all the time. It's supposed to be a safe community. And then we were talking. She was quite traumatized yesterday. Went to the doctors. A couple of puncture wounds in the back of her head. Only small. Um, you know. And we were there at the doctor's office. And just consoling her. Just working with her. And uh, just a bunch of stuff took place. That were just real blessings yesterday. And she. I said what do you think? She said. I said to her you were asking about God yesterday. She said, God loves me. Could have died. See, God proves himself. Come on, are you hearing me? But if she was by herself without her family next to her, she would not have been able to process through trials and through adversity that God is at work. See, that's what the right kingdom connection does, it brings you back to the kingdom. It doesn't bring you back to your selfish ambitions and your dreams of becoming notorious. It brings you back to Jesus. And so as we were having this conversation, because she, she's been deaf on the right side of the ear for the last two months now. You know, because she's got this infection. She, and and my, my wife said, we have to go to the specialist, but they're not available till June and all these things. And as it so happened, we went to that doctor's office. It was the only office open at that time of the night. And she said, I can't hear my right ear. The doctor looked at it. And you would, would you know it? That particular doctor had a new bed next to where she was. And it had the state-of-the-art ear vacuum. 
that specialists used that was going to cost us hundreds of dollars and, and months ahead, but she needs the treatment now. I said, I'll, I'll take care of it. And he took this huge thing out of her ear. I'll send you the picture. It's disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I took a photo. Yeah. Uh. Come on. <clears throat> but, and I said, does God love you? And she said, no. See, God proves himself. Prove himself. He proves himself to you through the right relationship. And I was preparing, you know, my heart for the message today. And, and the Lord showed me in the book of Nehemiah something, one of the most powerful words that I've seen in the word of God regarding kingdom connection. I've never seen this before until this morning. And as I think about all the stuff that has been happening in our lives and the lives of people, I realize this. Yes, the enemy does come in like a flood. But the promise is that the Lord will raise up his standard. Come on, somebody. He will raise up his banner. Which means it doesn't matter what you go through, God's standard, his banner, his victory doesn't change. Positionally it doesn't, but some of the realities we face, tries to drive us away from that truth. And as I look at Nehemiah, I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Nehemiah chapter 3. I'm going to do my best to get this out in the next five minutes because there's a couple of things I want to do. Can I just, uh, as a show of hand, how many of you have had some kind of unusual sort of situations in your family, like, man, things just going wrong after another? And just out of the blue, just things just, just put your hand up so I could see it right, right across. Even in your workplace or your relationships, just, just put your hand up. And, and you, you just can't break through in some of those areas and you're trying. Just put your hand so I can see. Just quite, just, just, just several of you, yeah. My hand's up with you. I know what it's like. When Nehemiah left the king's palace to build the, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, remember Jerusalem was decimated, and uh, in around 536 B.C., I think it is, Ezra and Zerubbabel leaves captivity and were given permission to rebuild the temple. Are you with me so far? History, right? They built the temple. It took them about 20 years to build the temple because they did well for the first five years. Get into the first step. And then the, the, the work stopped for like about 15 years. Uh, two and a half years actually. They, they built the, the, the foundations. They had revival. They had revival. Not just physically but, but spiritually had revival. And then took another 20. So about 20 years the rebuilding of the temple. The actual building of the altar. Can you put the, that... that uh, slide up. The actual building of the altar itself only took five days. Can I just say this to you? It doesn't take long for you to change leadership of God in your life. Come on, are you hearing me? It doesn't take long 
for us to build the altar of God. Some people take a long time. They build all kinds. The, the reason it takes us a long time to build the house of God in our own hearts is because we've got a lot of other altars we need to break down that we haven't broken down yet. So right where the fire is, that's the altar. It took him five days. But the, 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 the square, the yellow, the, white, the yellow square there, took 20 years to build. That's a temple. That's a new temple. Now 20 years later, Nehemiah turns up on the scene because his brothers goes, goes back to, to, to where he was and says, man, the walls, the, the walls are ruined. We built the temple, but we haven't built the walls. So we are vulnerable from the enemies and all the officials around the areas here that had some wicked schemes against the Israelites. They didn't want them to rise up. They didn't want them to be a strong people again because they were the strongest nation in that region prior to the to destruction under Nebuchadnezzar. You get with me so far, right? So here's Nehemiah. He was the cup bearer for the king. He was the wine taster. He was the butler. He was the armor bearer for the king. And he was sad one day in chapter 1 of Nehemiah. And the king says, why are you so sad? And he says, oh, how can I be happy when my brothers and the walls are in ruin in Jerusalem and my brothers, they're always under threat. And the king says, give me a time and give me what you need and I will send you with letters of endorsement and you can go through everywhere. Come on, can I just tell you somebody, you have the letters of endorsement from Jesus to trample against the work of the enemy in your life. Come on, somebody give the Lord a clap. You have the endorsement. Signed by the blood of Jesus. Come on. Right? So Nehemiah says to the king, hey, all right, good. So he goes and he gets there and, and Nehemiah just wept. And, and it started this rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. Now we are in chapter 3. Now if you were to read and did a survey of the book of Nehemiah, you'll find chapter 3, in fact, was what we call in the building industry, the critical path. This was the chronicle of the actual project management of Nehemiah. This is how he built it. This is how he put personnel and staff. Have you got that card I gave you before? Where, oh, where is it? Oh, it's in the Bible? All right. Are you with me so far? No, that's, this is the background. Now the goal is always to rebuild the temple and reestablish the nation. But Nehemiah realized this, and this is one of the most amazing things. He could not establish a nation without building the family unit first. And I'll say this to you right now. The most powerful unit in this church is not the leadership team, but the family unit that God is building from the ground up. And so if Satan wants you to be disqualified from what God has for you, he will attack your family units. Listen to me carefully. This is prophetic. That's what he wants. And for whatever reason he will want to do that, you need to have every reason to fight to protect that. Are you with me? Nowhere in the Bible does it actually say that God doesn't care about families, but you hear and you read about how God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is a generational God. You know why Satan attacks families? Because he doesn't want you to leave a legacy of godliness. He wants to cut off 
the work of God in your life and not be able to pass it on to your children. Do you know why a lot of pastors' kids go astray? Because Satan does not want our children to rise up to take on the work of the ministry. For whatever space you are in right now, I need you to understand what the Word of God is saying above all else. Satan divides families and breaks them up. It's not the work of man because no one sets out to get married, to have kids so that they can only break up later on. Something somewhere along the way, there was a gap. There was a breach. And we didn't close it. Now, I love the way God builds because God builds through sons and through families. Chapter 3, I want to tell you, I wept this morning when I saw this. And I showed my wife and I was crying. I said, I've never seen this before. The Holy Spirit took me this to this. Chapter 3, verse 1. Are you there? Listen to this. Then Eliashib. See all those gates? Can you just leave that image up, please? See, you got the wall in yellow and you got gates everywhere. All those gates virtually were built in chapter 3. Pretty cool, huh? In chapter 3, you know how long it took him to build all that? 52 days. Man, I want this guy as my project manager. Muzz, we need to get this guy on board. <laughs> right? Listen to this. I'm going to just read a few, a few of the passage here. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers and the priest, and they built the sheep gate that's over that side somewhere. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. If you want this image, we can send it to you so that you can understand what I'm talking about here. And next to him, somebody say next to him. The men of Jericho built, and next to him, can you say that again? Zakur, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hanassah built the fish gate. They led its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And verse 4, and next to him, I'm just going to repeat this over and over again. Verse 4, and next to him, verse 5, and next to him, and next to him. All the way through chapter 3, you see this reprise and next to him. I want you to pause for a minute and listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. You cannot build on your own. You can never achieve everything that the Holy Spirit wants you to do by yourself. The greatest, apart from your family, of your biological origin, the greatest relationship that God has given you is the body of Christ. Don't ever, ever allow anything to get in between you and the family of God. We can never reach the community on our own. I could never do it on my own. That's why every morning when I come here and I join the bump crew, I look at you with a gratefulness to God because I need to have you next to me. Sometimes the guy said to me, it's okay, pastor, we got it. And it's not because I want to give myself more, because I, I, I know we got to be next to each other. Come on, are you hearing me? 
Again and again, the Holy Spirit said to me, Ted, next to one another. And something happened in this story in chapter 4. Sanballat and Tobias are the the principal officers around the area that hated the Israelites. They started to threaten the Israelites and they started to threaten to kill all of them and stop the work of the wall. It was made clear to me that while they built next to one another, something happened. They stopped around about chapter 4. The family broke up. There's, there was a breaking up. You read, read it and you'll know what I mean. Something happened. They, they, got, they got comfortable. The walls are built. The gates are built. <laughs> we do it. And they kind of went into their own ways. And, and all of a sudden, while it was still in the midst of being finished, they're, they're almost there. They were almost there. And Nehemiah stood up and he took his armor bearer, a trumpet guy. Called a trumpet guy and he said, he said this. Listen to what he says. Are you doing okay? You getting this? Verse 6 of chapter 4. Listen to this. So we built the wall and all the wall was joined together. And half of its height for the people had a mind to work. So halfway through the work, Satan comes in. In the form of people. In the form of dogs. In the form of floods. Come on, are you hearing me? In the form of sickness, in the form of divorce, in the form of, come on, are you hearing this? And verse 13, Nehemiah says, so in the lowest parts of the space, talking about the hardest points, the lowest part, the most vulnerable place, Behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their family. Oh, come on, hear us. With their swords and spears and their bows. And then he says in verse 14, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight. He didn't say fight for the wall. He didn't say fight for the project. Come on, he didn't say fight for the church. Do you know what your fight is when you turn up on a Sunday? You know what you're fighting for? Do you know what you're representing when you come to church on Sundays? You're not coming here for me. Yes, you come for God, but even more so, listen to what Nehemiah says. I'm so passionate about this, guys, because I believe God is trying to tell us something. He says, fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives. Your homes, when you're here on Sundays, that's what you're standing up for. Because you can't achieve what God's got for you by yourself. I say to you, who is next to you? Who is beside you? And as I look of people who are not here today, I don't look that with disdain and said, I wish they were here. 
I look at it and say, oh, who is next to them right now? Who is next to you? In verse 15, when our enemies heard it was known to us that God has frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each with his work. And then the Bible tells us, and all the people of God work with one hand with a sword on the other until they finish. They never stop fighting for their families, for what God wanted. It says, yes, we can do the work of the ministry, but we will not neglect the work of fighting for our homes. I've heard people say to me, the ministry destroyed my family. I've heard people say to me, my work destroyed my family. I've heard people say to me, all these things destroyed their family. Let me tell you something, what destroys your family when we don't stand up for them. When we leave our station, you know that being in church is your station on Sunday. Come on, are you hearing me? Doing the work of the Lord, sharing the gospel is your station. Giving you gifts is your station. Praying is your station. Reaching the lost is your station. There are many gates, more than one gates. In this chapter, 13 times in chapter 13, the word next to him and next to them is mentioned. 16 times, another word is mentioned, another the two words is after him or after them. Meaning that you can never ever, you may not even finish the work that you started, but somebody else will. Come on out here in this. Together we are. That's why together we can. That wasn't just some idea I had when I said, together we are. Mind you, there were years and there were times I think, that, that doesn't make sense. But as we go along in our journey with God, together, things start to make sense. That in this community, in your family, your, I pray for your kids, that your kids will not go astray from the things of God. But you've got to help them. You've got to raise them in the ways of the Lord. And they may not like some of the things that you have to say. Did you know that in chapter 3, one time it mentions the word servant. But 18 times it mentions the word son. Right after it says, next to him was such and such, the son of. What does that tell you about God? That is building his house with sons and daughters. Nehemiah says, I'll have the trumpeter next to me. When the trumpet sounds, wherever the trumpeter is, everybody goes there and protects that space. When the trumpet sounds. I just love the picture of that when God speaks over the congregation. We all have to be united in what God is saying. Not creating things for ourselves because... You know, the independence of the body of Christ today staggers me. And I get that you hear God individually. But there's something to be said that God actually speaks corporately. If you read the whole counsel of the Bible, 
Even when God speaks to an individual, it all has a corporate context, never for themselves. And verse 15 of chapter 6 says this. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month, Elul, in 52 days. Wow. That's in the midst of great adversity, folks. Can I just say to you that it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't take much for God to finish the work in your life if you stick with having somebody next to you connected to kingdom purpose, your family, your brothers, your sisters. And in verse 16, and when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us. How many nations? And how many enemies? Come on, I don't think, I, I, I didn't hear you. How many enemies? How many nations? Around us were afraid. Hallelujah. And fell greatly in their own esteem. What that means is that they lost heart. They couldn't get up. They were done for. Why? Was it because of what we did? No, no, no. Because God responds when we protect our homes. God responds when we make a decision to make the legacy of His Spirit passed down to our children. God responds when we don't compromise truth in our home. When we establish the righteousness of God. He responds. And look what happens. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of God. Oh, come on. Who is next to you and who is after you? Who's going to take over your seat as a godly man and godly woman in your home? When you're gone, can someone pick up the next work? Who? Who is next to you? You have just listened to a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au and be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available.